You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Buzz Broadway listeners. As you know, we at Buzz Broadway remain committed to fighting for social justice for the undeserved citizens of our country. This includes women, LGBTQ plus people, disabled citizens, refugees, and black indigenous people of color. This week, We encourage you to take a look at the Women's Refugee Commission. Their mission is to improve the lives and protect the rights of women, children, and youth displaced by conflict and crisis. They research needs, identify solutions, and advocate for programs and policies to strengthen their resilience. Refugee women, children, and youth deserve to be safe, healthy, and self-reliant, and to have their human rights respected and protected. The Commission has been instrumental in putting refugee philanthropy on the humanitarian agenda. They are focused on economic empowerment, gender and social inclusion, sexual and gender-based violence, and sexual and reproductive health. The immigration and refugee policies currently in place by the Trump administration are endangering and harming countless women and children. We encourage our listeners to stay educated and vote this upcoming November. You can find more information at womensrefugeecommission.org or through the link in our Instagram bio. Thank you, and on with the show. Welcome to the Buzz Broadway Podcast. I'm Amanda Harrington. And I'm Sam St. Jean. Each week, with the help of cast albums, film adaptations, and our own memories, we reminisce and relive some of our favorite Broadway musicals. Come listen to two besties booze their way down the Great White Way on on Buzz Buzz Broadway. Broadway. When you're lost and alone and you feel like you need a little lift. When the times are tough and your day has gone adrift. You can always press play on Buzz Broadway. We've got the laughs. Or when you're blue. Buzz Broadway. Just pour a drink. I need your shoe. So just press play today. Well, welcome back to the Buzz Broadway podcast. I don't have, I don't, I don't, I don't have words yet. That's okay. Happy Friday, everyone. Happy your future Friday. When is this really episode releasing? Am I 26 yet? Uh, you might be. Yeah, you're definitely 26. I'm not 27 yet, but you're definitely 26 when this episode comes out. It's my birthday. <laughs> it's definitely not your birthday on the day no, this episode No, but how appropriate airs, because it's Bobby's birthday. birthday and it's my birthday. And you're also I'm turning also 35. Turning 35. Yeah, my birthday will be, I think my birthday will be like three days after this episode comes out. Oh, go on. Get it over with. I can't stand it. 
Ew, please do not. <laughs> I stood it. It's my least favorite line in the show. I stood it. By the way, we're talking about company. I do believe they updated some of this, uh, some of the, the, the text dialogue. for the most, yeah, for the most recent revival. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Stephen Sondheim's company. I can't wait to talk about Sondheim again. I know. He's pretty great. I got I got lost in more interviews. and Yeah. Wild. <sighs> are you Wild. ready for our drinking game? I'm so ready. Oh, my God. Wait, what are you drinking? Okay, so I'm drinking, um, so Cisco Brewery on Nantucket. Love Cisco. Came out with um, vodka sodas. Oh, wow. So it's a Nantucket blueberry vodka soda. It's so good. Is it real? Okay, so here's the thing, though. Is it real vodka? It's Triple Eight Vodka, which is their brand. Okay. With natural blueberry and lemon flavors and carbonation. But then there's also probably some malt liquor in it. Like, I don't think it can be only... I think there can be a little bit of vodka in it, but I think it has to mostly be malt liquor, like what's in like seltzers. Um, I don't have the nutrition facts in front of me. Okay, well it's gluten free. There's no malt. I'm a little upset that you didn't. Oh, okay. So if it's gluten free, there's no malt liquor. But I am a little upset that you didn't come fully prepared for this uh, podcast mm, the, episode. The, the box is in my fridge. I was prepared a full twenty minutes before we started, and the fact that you—that's such <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> You were only four minutes late today. No, I meant I, I meant what I was trying to say is that I started twenty minutes before we were supposed to record. That was the joke drinking? I was trying to make, but I didn't. No, no, researching. Oh, that was a good joke. What are you drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking a giant Negroni because it's classic. hot and it's refreshing and it's what I always drink. It is a classic. I'm drinking it out of really a plastic cup that I got at a dollar store. No, I bought this cup at a weird grocery store. And it was like, I, so I moved, I don't know if I've told anyone on the podcast yet, but I moved back to New York City. Talked about um, last week. I guess I did, yeah, on the Lamez episode. Um, but I, I'm back in New York and I don't have any, like, of my, di- I don't have any of my dishes with me. Um, and so I went to this, like, full grocery store and they had, like, an aisle with a kitchen, like, kitchen stuff, like pots and pans yep. and spoons. And I bought that stuff. But then I was like, do you have cups or, like, a bowl? And the woman pointed, and I went over, and there's like, one plate, one, like, all mismatching. One plate, one bowl, like, three cups. I had to, like... You're like, great. I had to, like, I had to scour the depths of the earth to find silverware, and I wound up at this, like, dollar store. This um, is a great story. But that's why I love New York. I'm living in Queens. It's great. A story is really cool. And and speaking of New York, that's where a company takes place. Hell Yeah. I would love to, like, really get into, like, a dissection of, like, who all of these couples are and, like, where they live. I was... I think that would be really cool. Like, I wonder if, like, in the 2020 production, if, like, Marianne Elliott, like, talked to the cast about, like, so Sarah and Harry are definitely, like... I would hope so. ...kind of West Village couple, or... I feel like that'd be really cool. I would hope they would establish that as actors, like... Definitely. Even if it's just between the two of them, between the two actors and the couples. All right, listen to my drinking rules. All right, okay, okay, okay. So I really liked one that you did last week, so we're going to stick with one, which is sip anytime one of us drinks. What? That's not it. Sip anytime one of us sings. I've already been singing, so. Anytime we sing a line from the show, we got to sip. I like that one. Um, We're going to take a sip anytime one of us says Lapone. Great, great, great. I thought you were going to say Bobby, and I was like, where? <laughs> nope. I would not do that. <laughs> but when we get to you announcing how many awards this show won for Tony's, we need to take a sip for each Tony a one. 
Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Just for the original production, nope. right? We all the Tonys. To... For every production. I didn't write that down. There's only two revivals. So. I know, but. It, there's we... only Oh, and the second one. No, there's three revivals, technically. Okay, but that one didn't. But the third one didn't third get. One hasn't the third one didn't get any Tony nominations. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, don't right. worry. It's, it's not going to be that many. So when we get there, okay, we okay. have to take a sip for every Tony Award. And lastly, you need to finish your drink if anyone mentions no. Barcelona. Okay, 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 okay. 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 I can I can get down. And then that. oh I forgot to announce we have a guest on this episode. We do. So we'll have to Should we wait until after the break to introduce them though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean you're gonna see it in the you're gonna see it in the But we should also reiterate thing, what the but... rules are when she joins us. I think that's great. I think that's a good plan. All right. Sammy, tell me what the show's about. Also, I just need to let the audience know this is my favorite show in the world and I'm already emotional. In like 15 years of knowing you, um, you've never called me Sammy. I didn't like it. I didn't like it either, <laughs> and I'm glad that you didn't like it because I don't want it to catch okay, on. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, great. You ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. From musical theater's most renowned composer, Company is largely regarded as a trailblazer of the dark comedy modern musical genre. I find it really interesting that MTI calls the show a dark comedy. Yeah. I do think for, like, the last 20 minutes of the show, it is pretty dark. Um, or, like, 15 minutes, really. But it's interesting that they call it a dark comedy. Company features a brilliantly brisk and energetic score containing many of Stephen Sondheim's best-known songs. Are they? On the night of his 35th birthday, confirmed bachelor Robert contemplates his unmarried state. Over the course of a series of dinners, drinks, and even a wedding, his friends, those good and crazy people, explain the pros and cons of taking on a spouse. Habitually single Robert is forced to question his adamant retention of bachelorhood during a hilarious array of interactions. I didn't love the end of that synopsis. I got bored. I didn't either. I think you're correct. I it, It's interesting, and I think when you... I'll talk a little bit about it in kind of the development of the show... When you find out how the show started, I think you sort of realize where the holes in this show are. It is a great musical, and I know it's your favorite, but there are some... Like, what is Company? Is Company, like, a really well-thought-out like song cycle? Is it a musical? Like, what is the line that you draw? You know what I mean? Like, yes, there, yes, there is a book. Um, I, I don't, don't think it's a song cycle, but I also don't think it's, like reach the full like textbook definition of a musical like a book like a book George musical Firth wasn't the best writer I also think that a lot of playwrights now write timeless shows that sort of don't have and maybe it just feels timeless because we're part of the generation that is growing up with these shows but the original, I mean, the libretto went through a huge revamp for the 95 revivals, both in London and in mm-hmm. the U.S., um, because the text was so, it was a, it was a period piece. Dated. The text was so dated. When yeah. You, when you revisited it 20 years later, you were like, I feel like we're doing, like, an Elizabethan, like, pantomime, because <laughs> the show is, like, so, so dated. And when you listen to that original score as well, that original cast album, uh, even the sound, I mean, watching that documentary, even the sound of the, the, the score is so iconically like late, late sixties, early seventies. 
I have to say that <laughs> the opening number of the original cast album has some pretty terrible dissonances. In a good way? Not in a good way. No. <laughs> they sing love. I think we love you like we love you. Take a drink. But somebody, and I don't know who it is, someone stops singing in the middle of the long word and then comes back I am almost in. 90% sure it's Elaine. That was my guess. Because she's like sitting on like a belty chest note. It's all she has. And she, she's just she's just sitting on it. And I'm, it would very much be in her character. Just be yes. Like, uh, <laughs> I can't wait to talk out. about the documentary. Oh, my God. Um, but I first, can't believe you hadn't watched it until now. Me neither. It's so good. I have some trivia for it later on. I don't think we'll get to it until our guest is here, but probably. I will say we're doing um we're doing two Lapone shows back to back. Take a sip. There you go. I said I did that just for you. You did that on purpose. I did. I wanted to take a. We're little also sip. not doing two Lapone shows. Oh, Liam is. Yeah, Liam she's is. in like all of our shows. <laughs> don't oh, you remember Gyp- when she played Gypsy Maisie? Too. That's right. She played Maisie LaBird in Susical, and I thought. <laughs> She should have won. Okay, but a young Patty Lapone as Maisie, even as Gertrude. No. <laughs> Just no. Boys. <laughs> it was as a kangaroo. I've really been drink, practicing please. my Patty Lapone. Oh, is that not, it's, not, it's not a song from the show, right? Do I have to drink? No, but I just said Lapone twice. But. I feel like my my impressions have gotten better. Um, I've been looks. I've been listening to a lot of ladies who lunch. I've been practicing my girls. Here's to the girls. That's what I've been practicing. <laughs> the fact that she can put that much vibrato on a one syllable wor- word that only has one vowel out of a <laughs> a six letter word that has one vowel and she can put that much vibrato. <laughs> but that's who she is. Here's to the girls. I love her. I don't. She's fine. Okay. Um, great. Let's talk you about tell me George a little bit Firth. About, yeah, because we've we've covered Sondheim previously. We've covered Hell Prince previously. You want to tell me a little bit about yeah. good old Georgie? Yeah. I mean, I definitely have some more trivia on Stephen Sondheim that I'm going to mention. Great. But we don't know we don't know anything about George Firth. Yeah. So correct. he was born December 1932. His birth name was George Scheinfirth. Oh. Sh- no, sorry, Schweinfirth. How's it spelled? S C H W E I N F U R T H. Wow. Yeah. What a name. That is a difficult name. What a kind of name is stove. <laughs> what are you, an appliance? I thought about that today and I laughed out loud by myself. <laughs> I was sitting I by myself know. doing nothing at work and I thought to myself, what a kind of name is stove. Not even a line in the movie, it's an outtake. It is? Yeah. In the movie, she says, what kind of a name is Stove? But in an outtake, she goes, what a kind of name is Stove? Oh, she does. Are you does. an appliance? Do you live in, is your bed in the kitchen? Do you okay, live in the I've kitchen? Okay, maybe I've watched the outtake so many times that I don't know what's movie. I also <laughs> Okay, back to George. All right, all right. Sorry, so he I keep was, distracting you. He was 1932. A, um, librettist of this. But he's also a playwright and an actor. You'll probably talk a little bit maybe more about how the show developed, but it was I'll just like a little brief. He's the one who brought it to Sondheim because mm-hmm. he had a bunch of ideas about one act plays about and they all revolved around a couple and an outsider. 
Sondheim was like, let me take this to my buddy Hal Prince. And Hal Prince was like, this should be a musical. And Like everything. The rest is history. Um, so George Firth was in some movies. The only one I had heard of was Blazing Saddles. I yes. had not heard of any other movies he'd been in. Blazing Saddles is so good. You've seen it? Yeah, it's a Mel Brooks movie. Yeah. Madeline Kahn does the, the number, I'm Tired. Have you ever seen it? No. I'll send it to you. It's. Do you know who Madeline Kahn is? No. She's a comedian. She, um... Comedian? Uh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> she is, actually. You're, you're correct. She's a comedian. Um, she was Mrs. White in the Clue movie. Have you seen Clue? No. What? You've never seen Clue? No. Oh, it's so good. You have to watch it. So she plays Mrs. White in Clue. She does a lot of Mel Brooks stuff. Um, and she plays... I've seen Young Frankenstein. She is in Young Frankenstein. She plays young. Uh, uh, she plays uh, the like wife, the the Doctor Frankenstein's wife. Okay, I don't remember. Anyways, okay. <laughs> so George Firth and Stephen Sondheim collaborated a couple times. They did Company, and then they did uh, Merrily We Roll Along. What a hit it was! It was. They use um, by the countryside. Sh- All right, you're gonna have to. Even though you only have to sip when you sing company music, you have to sip anyways. For for merrily. For being a bitch. Okay, sorry. I'll stop cutting. <laughs> I am. I'm feeling tipsy tonight, which is not normal for me. So, so, cheers. Um, they also wrote a play together called "Getting Away with Murder." Stephen. Stephen Sondheim wrote a play. And George. Yes. Why have I never heard of this? What is it called? It again? Ran Getting for Away with Murder? 17 performances on Broadway. Nice, nice. Yeah. That is more than our production of Company performed, so. <laughs> and it's honestly about as many performances of Merrily that they had, so. Mm, yeah. They're thriving. Yeah, it's called Getting Away with Murder. Never knew about it. They, they didn't do so hot. Okay, <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit more about Stephen Sondheim because. My obsession only grows with more podcasts that we do. Great. Because I'm like, I need to do more research, so I guess I'll watch another hour-long interview about him. First of all, I could watch him teach for forever. Are you going to talk like about the Are you teacher. going to talk about the the not getting married today masterclass? Yes. Wow. First of all, the woman, the girl who performs Amy in that masterclass is so good. The other two are not great. garbage get him out i don't want him here <laughs> she, she rolled all her so much better i hate it i hate it that that woman rolled all her r's in oh see i liked it it felt no. very appropriate i liked that part about her i didn't like anything else oh did yeah, the paul loved- have, did the paul have jack teeth were his teeth bad i don't remember i just remember him being a cardboard box i'm thinking of when he does coaching for a little night music Mm. And he coaches the Henrik, and he, that guy has jack teeth. He says, Stephen Sondheim says, what did he say about teaching? He just loves teaching. He, it's the, he says it's the noblest oh. of professions, and he wants to continue to teach because of Oscar Hammerstein teaching him. Mm. Like, he thinks I he needs that. to pass that on. That's amazing. Even in the documentary, there's so many times where he'll oh leave the office... And go down and talk to them. Did you see the yes. part where he's talking like, and he keeps trying to coach that the Pamela Myers on how to say yep. booby? Yes. 
He's like, you're saying booby. Say goody. Booby. You're doing it again. Booby. Goody. 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 Booby. <laughs> but he's not mean. He is just no. very... I think he had a really... I guess we'll talk about this later. But he was so good at talking to Elaine. Oh, my like, God. I'm, but like, I mean, I like, think... what a great partnership they had. Like, what a great friendship. Yeah. Nobody else could have, like, handled her, I think. Absolutely not. Anyways. He... I'm just, like, just, like, a couple things. Um yeah. Something that I love about him is he's very open about his anxiety. Like, even in the 90s, he talked really openly, 80s and 90s, he talked really openly about mental health. And that's only something that people are really starting to talk about, I feel like, now. So I love that so much. He's, like, talked about how he doesn't write shows to make people happy. He knows that they remind people of their own anxieties. And he's not scared of that. He's like... He says he would rather have them understand than be entertained. Isn't he's that like, amazing? I'd like, he's like, I'd like for both to happen. I'd like them to, you know, walk away with understanding and also be entertained. But if they only walk away with understanding, that's okay. But isn't that, like, such the antithesis of, like, what it meant for an Oscar and Hammerstein show? Like, yeah. a show that is so, I don't want to say two-dimensional, but a show that is so engineered to be entertaining... Mm-hmm. To then have somebody who is the student of Oscar Hammerstein. Can you imagine if, like, Stephen Sondheim today was like, I think I'm going to write a musical about the Von Trapps. Like, how <laughs> different would it be than how yeah. the sound of music was? I know. Just such a different style. Mm. Um, I think that's mostly it of what I wanted to say. And then you might talk about this too, but... What I really liked about him is he's so humble. So when he's like, I don't want people to say Sondheim's company. Like, he's like, George Firth is the playwright. He came up with the characters. Like, it's all about collaboration. So if you're going to introduce it, you need to say George Firth and Stephen Sondheim's company. Interesting. No, I didn't actually know that. Even though, like, nobody refers... Who, who's George Firth? I didn't know he wrote it. <laughs> I... I we were in it, and I had no idea who George Firth was. I mean, people go to the musicals for the music, like they, you know what I mean. Like even if they're even if the story of a musical is fantastic, the music is the thing that sets it apart from not being just a play. So I think it's like our we're conditioned to like immediately refer to the music, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of the fact there's a book writer who's actually writing the characters. And I think this show is is one of the odd ones out where you did have a book writer that developed the show from such an early stage and then music was added later. You know what I mean? Sometimes a composer will start the show like a Janine Tesori type of thing where she really gets really hands-on with her characters and then we'll invite a book writer to collaborate on it with her. Um, I think Sondheim just meets people in the middle a lot. Yeah. And it's, that brings me, that's like a perfect segue into George Firth writing the show. So he, like you mentioned, he did write 11 one-act plays. He wrote 11 different plays for each single character in the show. I can't imagine doing that much work. And also, like, if you do the show at such a level, like, I wonder if this 2020 production, like, has anybody read any of George Firth's work? Right. Wouldn't you About that? It's almost like... Go ahead. I would want to. Exactly. It's like like lore for your character. It's like... Yep. Obviously, J.K. Rowling is canceled, but it's like if you're performing, if you're performing like a hair, if you're performing Cursed Child right now, I would want to go and read all the like 
behind the scenes lore that J.K. Rowling has developed yep. surrounding Harry Potter. Like I would, you know what I mean, in order to yeah. like fully create that character. So I wonder if those plays are accessible um, mm. to the performers who perform it at the you know the highest level. Um, but like you mentioned, yeah, Firth showed it to Sondheim, and then Sondheim, Sondheim showed it to Prince, and Harold said, you know, I think this would make a great musical. It's funny because this the theme that they had chosen originally was that the show is going to be more about New York marriages, mm-hmm. and there was going to be a central character who examined those marriages. But now I think it's flipped. Yeah. When I think of company, I don't think of the marriages as being the prominent part of no, the plot. No, you think of Bobby. <laughs> the show is about Bobby... And, and the, the marriages are the examples he has to create his opinion yeah. on what it means to be married and what it means to be in a relationship. Just a quick note on that. Sondheim also was saying that what he was really into about this show is he's like, it was the time when traditional marriages weren't necessary anymore. Mm. People were starting, it was the 70s, you know, people were very sexual in the 60s. Like, it was just a very changing time and so he wanted to write on that a little bit too also yeah to come out of the 60s and to for for this character to say like i don't necessarily need a marriage but i do want someone to love because like that is the greatest like loving one other person at that level is the greatest thing that we can experience as a human being yeah um so coming out like 10 years after the 60s and 20 years after the 50s where you had this sort of nuclear families type of deal where you marry the kind of perfect wife and the perfect father and the you know you have this sort of 2.5 children well I guess in the 50s it was two children um well 2.5 is like the nuclear that's like the average amount of children anyway um so after Firth kind of went through this gamut of showing you know the show to everyone the company had its official out-of-town tryout in Boston, and the show had actually mixed reviews. The reviewers didn't feel like it was too strong, and reviews for Sondheim shows always culminate in some somebody saying that the show has no clear, you know, melody. There's nothing you can... It's the line from Merrily or Roll Along, you know, there's yep. not a tune you can hum, because that's not Sondheim's thing. He's not trying to make right. people hum his music as they leave the theater. Because that's not what he's but, writing for. <laughs> Exactly. So, despite the mixed reviews, the show still opened on Broadway April 26, 1970 at the Alvin Theater, and it ran for a year and a half and closed on New Year's Day of 1972. Company won six Tony Awards. Woo! Including Best Musical, Best Score, Best Book, and Best Lyrics. That's just we go. the original? That's just the original production. Oh, shit, it's going down. I love Negroni's, but taking six sips in a row is rough. It is rough. So, after the Broadway show closed in 1972, we did receive a national tour that ran for a little while in the 70s. But we then had to, and there was also a London production a few years after the Broadway production that starred largely the same cast, Elaine Stritch, Donna McKechnie. I always forget Donna was in the show because TikTok Mm -hmm. is now cut from the show. It's not really a thing anymore. Bummer, could have been my big dance break. (laughs) Who wants to see a 14-year-old break it down? (laughs) Break it down. (laughs) I'm so mad at you. Um, So we did have to wait almost 20 years for a revival of this show, and we received it in 1995. It was a Scott Ellis-directed production with Rob Marshall choreography produced by the Roundabout Theatre Company uh, as part of their revival series that they do. Uh, 
you would love Roundabout. It's a nonprofit. I love nonprofits. <laughs> the revival starred Deborah Monk, LaShans, Charlotte Dambois, Jane Krakowski, Danny Bernstein, and our good old pal Robert Westenberg. This production was nominated for a Tony but did not win for Best Revival of a Musical. I was just going to say, I had no idea that this revival existed. I did, but I do forget about it a lot. I think because the 2006 revival was such kind of a big deal. Yeah. That I think the 95 revival gets shadowed a lot. But Jean Krakowski is April. I mean, what a great casting choice. Yeah. Right? And um, what's her face as Joanne? Deborah Monk. Oh my god, she was great. I watched videos Fabulous. We then received a 95 London revival by Sam Mendes that was produced at the Donmar Warehouse. Uh, I believe if you search on YouTube, you can find an entire production of this show. Um, it did star a Black Bobby, which I'm very, very uh, in favor of. I saw that. I think it adds a good amount of uh, uh, level to his character to find love as a black man in New York City. I don't remember the actor, but I didn't love him. Uh, we then received the penultimate 2006 John Doyle revival. Which I think you and I were probably the most familiar with in terms of our kind of sculpting of this show. Because we did the show in 2008, which was mm -hmm. just two years after this revival. The production starred Raul Esparza as Bobby and featured Barbara Walsh as Joanne. The actors, as in many John Doyle productions, were also the instrumentalists. Much like the Sweeney Todd revival in 2005. Uh, and there is another John Doyle production with instruments that I'm forgetting. But he also Once. directed the color purple <laughs> revival in 2016 uh and the angry inch and this production was produced uh well i'm sorry was featured on pbs great performances which uh you know it was filmed professionally so i think that's why a lot of us know a lot of us at our age i'll say sort of in the, in our 20s know this show now because of this production what are your like feelings about this per specific version of the show are we still talking about the 2006 one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Because the 2011 one was also great. I did not love it, mainly because I really don't like Neil Patrick Harris. I loved it. And Neil, I if you're listening, not... I'm really sorry. He's not listening. Um, we don't know. I... We don't know. We can't say who is listening. We have like not. 15 listeners, and I can name them all. So, no. Um... I actually did not love the 2006 revival. Okay. Tell me why. Unpack that. I, it's going to sound so terrible coming from a musician. I didn't love them playing instruments. I mean, they did have, as in many John Bell productions, I, I am about 96% sure that they do have a very small offstage band to sort Ooh. of support the instrumentalists that are happening. It's just like, I like it. It's cool. But you have to, ch the orchestration has obviously changed. But I just didn't love, I didn't love the like timid orchestrations. And did you love it in 2008 when we did the show? We didn't play instruments. Did you love that version in 2008 when we did the show? Yeah, I feel like ours deserved way more recognition. <laughs> <than that. laughs> We get the 2019 <laughs> West End production that then transferred as the 2020 Broadway production. Sorry, it was the 2018 West End revival uh, uh. that was directed by Marianne Elliott, starred Rosalie Craig as Bobby, B-O-B-B-I-E. <laughs> How is it pronounced? Bobby. 
<laughs> you said, Bobby. <laughs> I did. The production for the first time featured a same-sex couple, uh, both Jamie and his de- devoted fiance Paul, who sing the hilarious Act One number, Not Getting Married Today. It was a bit of a gender-bent production. The other thing that I think is really interesting is that there was an actor who was approached. Of course, now I do not remember who it was. But for the 2020 Broadway production, there was an actor who was approached to play Marta, who was a woman. And Marianne was going to have Katrina Lank, who wound up playing Bobby in on Broadway instead of Rosalie Craig... She was going to have Katrina Lank play a bisexual Bobby, but something in the casting went wrong somewhere, which I am frankly upset about. I think Marta staying a female character yes. makes a lot of sense. I don't love Marta as a... I don't love the, what was originally the role of Marta as a man. I think her name in the show is PJ. Yeah, that sounds right. I don't, I don't love it. I think Marta staying Marta is really important. I also think that that role... Makes a lot more sense as a woman and as a woman of color as well. Um, The woman who played that role in the 2006 production, her name is Angel. She's great. She's wonderful. I can't think of her name now, of course. I feel like such an ass. Why did that trend? What do you mean? Because Marta wasn't African-American in the original. She wasn't. It wasn't really a... I don't think it was necessarily a trend. I just think it's that she's kind of the most urban of the characters. So I think it's a disposition for a lot of white professionals to say, oh, that one role should be non-white. But... And in the in that 2006 production, she was the only non-white actor. Mm-hmm. Which I think is unfortunate. But in the 2020 production, there is a little bit more color in the show. Larry is played by an actor of color... And uh, Susan is played by an actor. No, not Susan. Jenny, I think, might be played by an actor of color. It's still not enough color, to be honest with you, for reflecting couples in New York City. Right. It's certainly not enough color to reflect what the couples in New York City actually look like. But I do prefer the role of Marta to be played by a woman. And I think that that role lends itself to somebody who is non-white. I think their interpretation of what the city is is more vibrant when it's played by somebody who is non-white. I also get such queer vibes from Marta. I I agree. She talks a lot about assholes and sort of the vibe of New York City. And I think it would have been so great to see Bobby as this very fluid, pansexual, bisexual, bisexual character who is investigating marriage with both men and women. Of course, the Broadway... Revival has currently been put on hold due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I believe the production has an intent to reopen when the pandemic has subsided, but as of right now, they have suspended performances. I can't wait to see it in 2024. Amanda, we've been talking for almost an hour, so I think it's probably a good time for us to take a break. We spent a lot of time talking about these productions. Um... And I think we should take a little break and come back with our guest. I don't want her to come. Okay, let's (laughs) take a quick break and I can try to convince Amanda to let our guest on the second half of this episode. Uh, We will be right back. Uh, We are back from a commercial break uh, and we are here with someone very exciting today. Thank you. I am here. Who is it, Amanda? Who is here with us today? 
<clears throat> my my lifelong friend of how old am I? Twenty six. We met when I was nine. That math. You're looking. Why at are you s- looking at me like that? You're looking at seven. Not yet. You're looking at seventeen years. Thank you, my friend of seventeen <laughs> years, and Sam's friend of less than that, Nina Weinstein. <laughs> Woo! Welcome hello, to hello, hello. We were like a little bit of a, a little trio for a while, a few years. Three Musketeers. Some really good friends. I have a little bit to say about Nina. Uh, Nina is a New England-based photographer providing vibrant and joyful photography in the New England area. Nina Weinstein Photography specializes in weddings, engagements, portraits, and events. Nina is passionate about creatively and authentically working with individuals and couples to capture photography that will bring their true selves to light. I can vouch for that. Sounds pretty spot on to me. She started as a photographer. I'll never forget. uh, Go ahead. I was going to say, I'll never forget my breakup photo shoot. It was the best. Where we we threw fake rose petals. That was the last time we hung out. That was 2017. Three years ago. That was the last time the three of us hung out. Just the three of us. That was a great I wanted you to reclaim Valentine's Day, so... We had you in like a gorgeous dress, and Sam threw fake rose petals from the top of a ladder. I loved every moment of it. It was perfect. That was a good one. The reason that Nina is here with us tonight is because back in 2008, Nina starred in a production of Company alongside Amanda and myself. We have mentioned Amanda's role before. Amanda, what role did you play? Kathy, baby. Kathy, baby. And Nina, what role did you play? I played Marta. Um, so, like Amanda, we were both very inappropriately cast for our age, and it was great. I still and we don't. It. I still don't understand it, but it <laughs> happened, and and we're here to tell the tale. <laughs> so, I reached out to the guy who played Bobby in our production, and he was twenty eight, while Nina and I were fourteen and fifteen. And now that I think about it, like be, because the guy who played Bobby is a he's a teacher. And I'm just coming off of being a teacher, and I'm just, like, imagining myself in the poor position that he was in. And I want to cry. I feel so bad. All right, let's talk about how we re-experienced this beautiful Well, let's show. talk about what Nina's drinking first. We haven't heard oh, of that. Nina, what are, right. you, what are you sipping Oh, that's on? right. So, um, for all the listeners, um, just so you get the full context of my situation, I have just recently finished the Whole30 diet. Alongside Amanda, we did it pretty much together and sent mm-hmm. each other pictures of recipes and stuff the whole time. Um, so I just finished it. Um, the whole thirty doesn't let you have alcohol, and I did not host a Buzz Broadway podcast, so I was not drinking <laughs> the entire time. Um, so this is my first drink in a little over thirty days, and it is vodka with seltzer and a splash of cranberry juice. Wow, what kind of vodka? Uh, Grey Goose. Nice. Oh, that's a very adult. That's a very adult vodka to have at your house. Yeah. Thank you so much. I do feel like an adult. Love that, Amanda. What What are you drinking tonight? I'm still drinking my uh, blueberry vodka soda. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing as I was drinking before the break. Great. I changed it up while we were away, and I went from drinking a Negroni to a local cocktail. I'm in New York, like I said, so they're doing takeout cocktails right now. So I have a drink from a bar down the street called Mosaic, and the cocktail is called Beetlejuice. It's a mezcal drink uh, with a beet extract. That sounds like everything I would hate. (laughs) I hate beets, and I hate mezcal. 
It's good. I like it. I have another one on the back burner. When I was a waitress this summer, they would give us free shots all the time. And I don't know whose bright idea it was to hand out free shots of Mezcal. I love Mezcal. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't love a nice spicy bullshit? (laughs) I don't know. All right, Nina, are you ready for our drinking game rules? Yeah. This is real. Okay. So you need to take a sip anytime someone says Lapone. Oh, God. You need to take a sip anytime any one of us sings a line from the show. Okay. And finish your drink if anyone mentions Barcelona. All right. (laughs) I will commit. You missed the other rule, which was we need to take a drink for every award that the show won. Oh, you did miss that one. But we already did that so you don't. Should need we to make her? Up. Should we make her drink six sips anyway? To catch um, up. I will drink three sips to catch up. That's okay. okay. That's allowed. That's that allowed. Like that's a, a fair, fair compromise. A fair compromise. <laughs> so I feel like we should also talk about maybe how we met. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was gonna do that in my little like memory section, but I think that's okay. actually not. We can talk about it now. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, kind of gets everyone in the mood. I'll start it off for sure. I mean, I think we covered it in the very first episode that. Uh, Amanda and I met in middle school when I moved to New Hampshire, Um, but I actually don't really know the story of how you two met. It was 2000, oh frick, how, how, it was 2003. I trust you with dates. We were both cast, I believe, in the ensemble of Cinderella and her glass slipper. Not to be confused (laughs) with Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella. No, it is very different. (laughs) At the acting loft. That's correct. I I just, I know you were in it and I was in it. And you had just started doing shows at the loft like the year before, I think. So you were you started doing shows before I did there? No, you did. Oh, okay. You so were we, in Pinocchio. You know my history better Why than do. Why do I know that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Pinocchio was my first show. And then I think Cinderella was my second or third. So that's okay. when we met. Yeah. Well, Nina, you did Storytime Theater, didn't you? Yes. I did. What is story so time that's right. Nina and I, I think we got really close in the summer when we did summer stock for teens, <laughs> preteens. And I think probably my fondest memory is when Nina and I were in the Sorcerer's, not the Sorcerer's Stone. Sorcerer's <laughs> Apprentice. Apprentice. Nina played that wizard and I played the apprentice. Did you play Merlin, Nina? <laughs> I did. Wow. There, there was a real, there's pictures of us in the newspaper. That's right. I totally forgot. And I had this ridiculous hat and cape on and you were so much shorter than me. And it was just so funny. We or a very there was that pair. time Nina played Bagheera and I played Shere Khan. That's right. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed anymore. The Jungle what? Book? I don't think that, I don't know. I don't know if that's, is that PC still? Playing a panther and a snake. <laughs> for, for, it's a tiger. <laughs> we could go through all of them. It yeah, we've been in so many shows together. Yeah. Were you in High School Musical? Yes. Amazing. Who did you play? Yep. Um, I was an ensemble member that had one line, and it was Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who did you play? I played bad singer who auditioned for the musical slash cheerleader. Oh, I love that. I had to do a toe touch. Foreshadowing, or I guess post-shadowing, no, foreshadowing your 
your star turn as Becky, the cheerleader in Post your Edwina. shadowing. Post shadowing, okay. Because mm. High School Musical was in 2007. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, anyway, Nina and I met through Amanda. Did you guys meet in company? Yes. No, no, no. No, well, Te- yes, no, we, we met first because you auditioned for Zombie Prom. Correct. Which then turned into co- to company. That's right, because Zombie Prom never happened. So in, like, August of 2008, I'm, like, chilling at Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire, and I get a phone call on my Nokia cell phone <laughs> from Amanda Harrington. And she's like, I have to talk to you. It's urgent. And I was like, okay. This is a very dramatic story. Of course it is. That's who we all were. So then you put on this girl on the phone, and this girl's like, listen, I'm Nina. We're doing a show. It was like it was like something out of the 40s. You're like, we're doing a show, and we need pots, see? Like, <laughs> we straight up needed more boys, didn't you're we? You were like, we need more yeah. boys. <laughs> we need more boys to round out the chorus. You have to audition. Amanda said you're talented. And I was like, well, I can't argue with that logic. Um, and... I went to Manchester and I went into this little tiny like basement theater and I met this tall girl with curly hair that was coated in LA looks and (laughs) she was tall and she said, my name's Nina. And I was like, Hey, and then I auditioned for a role in zombie prom. Um, I believe with a song from Godspell. I think I sang all for the best. Why is the story seven years long? Um, this is a, the meeting of me and Nina. We're great friends. Your story was just as long, talking about Sheer Khan and Shaka Khan and toe-touching <laughs> as a cheerleader, okay, Missy? Continue! <laughs> so anyway, I finished my audition, and it was, like, with Nina and a couple of her friends, and then I was like, all right, well, my mom's outside in her, in her Nissan Xterra, so I gotta, I, I gotta go catch a ride home so I don't miss an episode of Glee tonight. <laughs> And she, and she's like, okay, bye. And mind you, we're in a basement. So I said bye, and then I turned, and I walked face first into a cement, uh, like, support beam that was holding up the basement. And I turned back to Nina, and I was like, didn't see that pole there. And then I left embarrassed and walked I think away. it was actually who put that pole there. Uh, that would have like been, that. That been more, that would have been funnier. Oh, wait. I remember this. Yeah. You must have been there too. I don't I'm think like, you were there. 
No, but I remember you guys talking about the poll for so oh, long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did talk about the poll for a while. I walked into a poll the first time I met Nina. Well, the three of us hung out a lot, like, throughout high school, even though I didn't even go to the same high school as you guys. Yeah. Correct. And then Sam and I went to Plymouth State. Um, yeah. And then a year later, Amanda came to Plymouth State. A semester and it was later. like A semester later. Well, and no, it was a, year, just... a year and a half later, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Okay. And it was just like crazy destiny. It was just like, oh my God. And now Amanda's coming to our school. And it was like, I, I we told everyone, remember, we were like, our friend Amanda's coming here and she's going to be in the music program. And, and she's like, a music thread her. major. <laughs> she's a, and she's a music thread major. So I'm gonna cry. That was like the joke. Everyone made fun of me for that for so long because I accidentally said music thread instead of music theater. <laughs> it was it's really just one of your really funny. good. It was one of your really close friends that that made that made fun of you for it. It was very but he'll funny. Still though. say it. <laughs> so you're so you were a music thread major and it was great. <laughs> oh, wow. And and our worlds collided again and it was beautiful and amazing and it was. I don't think a lot of people thing. can say that they got to go to college with like people that they were have been friends with for so long. You know what I mean? Yeah. How long did you say we've been friends for 17 years? You and Nina have. Nina and I have been friends for for 12 years. That's literally crazy. Yeah, it'll be 12 years uh, in August that we've been friends. 17. 17. Wow. 17 and yeah. Our friendship is a 17-year-old person. <laughs> All right, should we now get into how we were experienced the show? Yes. I think let's finally talk about company. Nina, why don't you start? What did you do to like remember it? Okay, so it has been a long while since I have even thought about this show um, because, you know, I'm currently not in the music theater world anymore, but I can obviously still appreciate good theater. So I was actually super excited to watch and listen and everything. So I watched the full revival on YouTube. The 2006 with the instruments and stuff? With the instruments and stuff. Cool, cool. Big fan. Um, Watched the Neil Patrick Harris, the great performances. Um, I watched... Uh, 2011 Tony Awards performance. Oh I watched, my god! I watched a lot, you guys. I was nervous about this. <laughs> um, You're gonna be more prepared than we are. Yeah, probably. And I also listened to a little of the London produ- London production with the female Bobby. Um, yeah, Rosalie thank, Craig. Thank you, thank you, Broadway gods, for making a female Bobby. Because the whole time I was listening to the original, I was just like, "This is outdated." Like. Give me some gay couples. Like, oh, I hate yeah. that this is a dude. Like, and then, and then they turned that um, with a female Bobby. So I was happy about that. That 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 2019 production from Marion Elliott. We talked a little bit about it in our um, conversation before the break, but it really is a huge, huge deal. And there's a lot of really great stuff happening in the Broadway production as well, because that London production d- did transfer to Broadway, um, and it is on hold currently due to the pandemic but uh i've seen some clips from that production and it is wild some of the the bending that they do it goes beyond just gender they do mm-hmm. like the i mean obviously the role of jamie is flipped the role of the role of amy is now jamie um bobby is a woman and they've actually flipped all the text in the jenny and david scene where they're smoking pot so jenny oh. is like the cool stoner and david is like oh like do you, do you do that when you're high? And it's uh it's Chris Fitzgerald who who was the original Bach, and um I love and that. was Ogie Ogie and waitress. He's a great actor. The two of them together um are a great couple in that scene. But they flipped the the the, the text for that scene. I really appreciate that. That's Me awesome. too. There was and we didn't we didn't touch on this too much. We we talked about it a little bit, but they were actually too. It was um. 
they had offered the role of PJ to Jen Colella, who uh, was in the... I didn't realize it was Jen Colella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was too drunk before the commercial break to to get that name out. But how you're fine now. I I, I know, right? I sobered up. We took a long (laughs) break. Um, (laughs) So yeah, they had offered the role to Jen Colella. She wound up turning it down for some reason, but she mentioned it in in an Instagram live interview she did. They offered it to Jen Colella and they were going to have Katrina Lenk play Bobby as a bisexual woman. And for whatever reason, they uh, they off they opted to go with uh, with a male PJ instead. Instead of Marta, right? Correct. Correct. Oh, Je- Jen Colella would be a great Marta. She would have been great singing another hundred people. It would have been awesome. Ah, uh. yeah. Nina, I think you listened to probably more than than we did. In terms of revisiting the show, and I, I love that. I'm really excited to hear that you like really dove into it. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to refamiliarize myself with it and be able to talk about it. And I think mostly I really listened and watched the revival with the instruments because I honestly remember like Sam, you talking about it when, when it came when out. When was I not? When was I not? When was I never shut up about a revival? And and like you were so obsessed with the fact that they were all playing instruments, and then like I got obsessed about that, and like I I just love a good reimagined revival where they like flip the script and everything. Yeah, like, I'm just yeah. a sucker for that. Amanda, what did you listen to? Um, I always start with the original broadcast recording. Correct. Um, but I for the first time watched the OBC documentary, which mm. I had never seen. It's a documentary Wild. on them making the recording and it's everything I've ever wanted. It was so good. So I watched that Elaine Stretch in all of her glory. Truly. Um, 2019, 18 cast album, the West The 2018. Correct. Yeah. Um, and I watched the 2006 revival. I was obsessed, um, in college with the 2011 New York Philharmonic production. So I've seen that like enough. So, (laughs) I was like, I should probably watch the revival and remember it. Did you know that the documentary was actually going to be a miniseries that was going to show on television? They were going to do a different musical cast recording. Every single episode was going to be a different recording session. But they got so much footage on company that they scrapped the idea of making it a a long-term television series and just made one documentary. Nina, you should watch it if you haven't seen it. It's wild. You're you're talking it up, and I I think I watched like a little clip from it, but I didn't watch the whole thing, so I'll watch. That have you, later. Nina? Have you seen? You watched documentary now, right? With Bill Hader uh, and Fred Armisen. Yes. So they do they do this. They spoof the company documentary on documentary now. <gasps> it's a musical called The Co op, and it's uh it's Paula Pell, Fred Armisen, John Mulaney, um. It's really funny. It's oh my god, funny. you're speaking my language right the, now. The the parody of Ladies Who Lunch is this song called "I Gotta Go," <laughs> and it's just Paula Paul being like, "I gotta go, I'm out, I gotta go." Okay, so you need to send us some kind of clip after this. Because... Oh, I can't believe you haven't seen it. I will. I will send it to you when we're done recording. <laughs> I love that. No, but you have to watch this. Like, first of all, Stephen Sondheim like coaches them through it. It's, they're all smoking their cigarettes while they're recording. Oh, the studio is filled with smoke. It's filled. Because it's 1970. It's so great. <laughs> you think Elaine Stritch is a man, and then you notice that it's actually a woman. And Yes. She has this big, like, very famous, very dramatic meltdown that, like, is the center of the documentary. 
that she's she like, can't... oh, maybe if I take my hat off, I'll be able to hit the notes. <laughs> that is the very funny part. <laughs> um, I listened to all those same things as well. I listened to the, I yeah. had, I had a burned, I had a burned CD of the original Broadway cast recording that I got from Nina Weinstein. I Nina's love a good Nina thing. Weinstein burned CD. Oh, and they're all, they're a good one. I think you're welcome. friends. Um, but I would listen to that in my beat up, uh, Nissan Xterra. And yeah, wow. I think, I think it's a great score revisiting it and rewatching it. Um, we talked a little bit about this before the break and maybe Nina can attest to the book of the musical. I'm really not obsessed with it did win best book, but I really don't love it. No, I completely agree. It's I think not you come for the music. You come for the iconic Sondheim songs. Yeah. I, um, I come for that. the story, but Okay. It's okay to have a wrong opinion. You guys. <laughs> Respect. Um, does anybody have any moderator. fun does anybody have any fun trivia about the show that they found in their searchings? I only have one and I'm wicked excited about it because I well, you probably already know it, <laughs> but I only have one, so I need to get it out. Um so in another hundred people, um do you know about the horns motif? At the I end? just learned about this so yeah. i watched um seth radetsky does the, the breaking down songs. you guys i've done my research you're um, amazing so i watched the seth seth radetsky breaking down another hundred people and he talks about he gets he's just so fun to watch because he's so nerdy about it and he mm-hmm. gets you so excited about it even though it's just like simple little things sometimes um and he talks about how um the horns in another hundred people when they come in like halfway through the song they're actually playing the bobby motif from yeah, it's the, the last it's the last number. chorus it's so great. Isn't and the like, song is so manic already, like with all the different instruments and like the, because it's supposed to be like the hub and bub of New York, whatever. But then it comes in and reminds you of that opening number. And like, this is all about Bobby. Like, don't forget. And like, but I love that. it's so subtle because he plays it and he's like, can you hear it? And I'm like, no, I have to listen really close to hear it. Yeah. He's like, if you've listened to this 800 times, like I have, that's the only way you're going to hear this. <laughs> I love, yeah, that was. That's literally all I was going to say, too. Was I, I love watched, so much. Was I watched that, yeah. Do you two have TikTok? Yes. I have it, yeah. So Seth Rudetsky's daughter has a TikTok account, and she, like, mostly posts them. Seth Rudetsky and his husband, like, bantering and going back and forth. And Seth has now, like, commandeered part of her TikTok account to to do, like, little mini uh, Seth Rudetsky-obsessed videos or, like, Seth Breaks Down videos. He'll just, like, 60 quick seconds on, like, listen to this, like, one musical theater song. It's really cute. I'm... I, that's the only reason now I need to go back on TikTok. Thank <laughs> you. That and to waste hours of your life. Truly. Amanda, do you want to take us into our first category? Yeah, let's talk about our favorite musical moments. So, I'll start. <laughs> Most of them are from Poor Baby because I love that song. Oh my god, you do? It's yes. my least favorite. Really? <laughs> yes. It's one of my, my favorites. It's it's not in my best numbers category, but okay. I just really like the music in it. So my number one is the build up in Poor Baby. Now I can't hear it. Uh darling, you know yes, no thank one you. Really happy more than I do. No one You know. Yeah. Okay, everybody drink, we just sang. Okay, great, 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 great. This one's going to be a rough one because we're all going to sing. Yeah. Um, so that build-up is number one, every voice getting added. And then, obviously, my second is right after that. Isn't she a little 
all fit well. Dumb tacky, tacky vulgar, old, old tall, <laughs> aggressive, neurotic, and cheap. She's tall enough to be your mother. And then my last one is in the West End production with the men singing, You Could Drive a Person Crazy. There, mm. you could leave a person dangling sadly. Is so sick. You love harmony. an updated vocal line. I really love new orchestrations. <laughs> I, just, I wish I had that talent to help. If I could be cast, cast. if I could be hired as an orchestrator for revivals, what what a great fucking job. Truly. Anyways, those are my three. Amazing. Nina? I kind of have a few. So, um, first of all, I just want to note that Ladies Who Lunch gave me Last Midnight vibes so hard. I don't know if that has happened to anyone else, but particularly the Patty Lapone, everybody drink, I just said Lapone. Yeah, you did. Um, when she sings um, Ladies Who Lunch, it just gave me crazy last midnight vibes. Like, I don't know. I just, I enjoy it. I guess a that. Place, it's a similar placement in Act Two. Um, I don't want to say they're similar characters, but they're sort of this like weird, omniscient, authoritative female. Is omniscient the right word? Uh, I like the way it sounds, so yes. <laughs> She's just, like, kind of over... Like, Joanne, it sort of is, like... She kind of floats above the plot, kind of like the witch does. Um, yes. So I I, th- I see the connection there. And between... the witch's, like, ending, and the gloom, and the doom, and then she ends yes, with... Yes, musically, I heard it, yes. Yeah, she yes. ends with, everybody rise, rise, rise. Everybody drink. Yeah. Everybody so that was just, like, a, a note that I had. Um... So the Bobby harmonies, especially the long last one, obviously. Um, and honestly, I just love the opening melody to Another Hundred People. Like, oh, my God. Well, did that count as singing? Let's just drink again. Okay. I don't know. I have to get a new drink soon. <laughs> and also in, um, I forget the song, but knock, knock, is anybody there? You could drive a person crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The there's. I just love the harmonies. That's just me. I I love an You Could Drive a Person Crazy. I love mm-hmm. trios. I've talked about this a lot in this podcast. You've got bird girls, urchins. <laughs> urchins, not orphans. We got an avid listener right here. So happy. <laughs> so happy she's a Buzz Broadway listener. Sam, what do you got for us? All right. All right. All right. All right. So my first one is the crescendo of but alone is alone, not alive, growing to the final chorus of <laughs> being alive <laughs> and Bobby just sort of continuing to realize all of these things about himself or herself. I'm going to cry right now. Just um, the final chorus of another hundred people with the Bobby motif was mine. Just the sort of it's almost like the horns are calling Bobby's name because he's seeing you have to remember that in the show he is seeing all of these songs Another hundred people is his vision of Marta. You know what I mean? So yeah. he, it's it's like the she's what I imagine in that song is that she is taking him through her favorite parts of New York City and what she loves about it, and he's seeing the city through her eyes. But when he hears the cars honk their horns, it's like they're honking for him. You know mm. what I mean? I um, can I it that way, but I like that. Can I interrupt one really quickly to yeah. add on yeah, to yeah. what you just said? Yeah. Seth Rodesky also talked about in this video. How he changes the lyrics in the bri- the second bridge of Another Hundred People to sing, and every day some go away, to mm-hmm. signify Kathy, 
going away. Yeah, because she goes away right before that. How brilliant. Even though, like, the bridge yeah, before, it was the ones who stay or whatever. Because that's, because okay. that's, that's, um, April. Yep. She's the one who stays. Bonkers, I'll stay. Right? Oh my God, I'm losing my mind. Okay. And then, yes, you're right. So, well, I guess, okay, I'll stay. Uh, and then finally, I get chills every time I hear the opening chords of Ladies Who Lunch. To mm. me, it sounds like Joanne has this, like, book that she's written about all the women in the world. And all of the misogynist, like, shit that women get piled on top of them by, like, a patriarchal society. And to me, the opening chords of the song sound like she's, like, opening the book, beginning to, like, read it in front of the bar. Like, here is my here's my take on the world and it sounds like that those those sustained opening chords that's what it sounds like to me is that she has this like manifesto of 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 her view of the world i think the way patty also says the words i'd like to propose a toast i just think it's very melodic the way she says it and i think it blends really well with what you just said I, i agree and i think when you listen to Elaine, obviously, who created the role with such nuance and such an incredible craft. Uh, And then you get Barbara Walsh, who I think did an okay job as well. They kind of, a lot of Joanne's lines are throwaways because she's very sort of affluent and kind of uh, apathetic. Um, So I think all of her lines sort of come out, well, I'm, I'm very rich and I'm married to him. Or I'd like to propose a toast. And I think that Patty sort of does take a little bit more deliberate care with yes. Joanne. Sto- Joanne, everything that Joanne says is said with a specific attack. Everything she says is deliberately targeted at someone or at something or at a feeling. She's not sort of an affluent in, in Patty's interpretation. She's not this sort of floozy drunk. She is a, a little bit of like a sociopath. I think the other women who played Joanne after Elaine very much interpreted Elaine's interpretation. Right. Where you're right, and I think Patty does it very differently. She's so I really giant, exactly. That we're Patty she can't. And not her last name. Because <laughs> we'd say it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we know who we're talking about. Now. Um, I mean, Amanda, do you think we need to take a short break before we finish out this awards category? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. All right, let's just take a really quick one, um, and we'll be right back. Nina Weinstein is a passionate, supportive photographer with a bold, romantic, joyful style. She believes being a photographer is about more than scenic portraits and telling you to smile. Nina is a supportive advocate and an inclusive artist who is eager to hear your real, authentic story so she can capture the bold beauty you are made of. Her favorite part of the job? Getting to know you. You can find more about packages and rates at ninaweinsteinphotography.com or on Instagram, at ninaweinsteinphotography. Bring yourself some good vibes, confidence, and joy, and book a session with Nina today. Sunglasses no, it is it is not me. I like how they're pinching your nose. I'm, I'm with him. I'm 
Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Iglesias. I'm over it. <laughs> Let's talk about our favorite musical numbers from the show. Woo. Sam, why don't you start us off this time? I'll start us off. That's okay. a great idea. What a great idea, Sam. <laughs> number one, getting married today. There is really yeah. no more iconic number in this show, I think, than this. It's placed very well. It's the second to last number in Act One. Uh, whenever I think of numbers like that, I think of like, uh, uh, what's the tell the night to save its moonlight? Oh, tell not that kind of thing. Birds. Yeah, like that's a great second to last Act One number. Um, uh, chip on my shoulder from Legally Blonde. Uh, like the second to last, like it's gearing you up for the Act One finale. It's got to get you in the right. It's got to like pump that. you up. You know. Um, it's a great number. It's one of the greatest patter songs of all time. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have nothing else to say about that. Can number. you explain to me what a patter song is? Yeah. A patter song is like all for the best in Godspell or, uh, the most famous is probably modern major general from Pirates of Penzance. Is that what that's from? Yep. Cause I, I am the very model too. of a modern major general. It's like a speaky, uh, a speaky song. It's a speaky, exactly. Your Fault is technically considered a patter song, like a four-part patter song. It's the idea where the lyrics of the song usually measure out to be about a 16th note, and it comes out very talk-singy, um, and the, the song mimics like a patter, a pattering. Okay, I kind of figured, but just in case anyone else didn't know what, what it was Oh my god, me. thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. My second is Ladies Who Lunch. I mm. just think that it is one of the greatest of the Sondheim solo songs. It just tells you everything you've been speculating about Joanne so far. And like I mentioned before, it's just like she's opening her manifesto on humanity. And finally, I think arguably one of Sondheim's greatest songs of all time, Being Alive. Uh, I think it's hard to not think of that. It's it's the first song you think of when you think of Company. Is is the It's the finale. The first song and I think, I think too, of is Company. Okay. Um, well, maybe when you have your podcast called Amanda Amanda on the B-Side... Um, and you talk about all your un- all your unpopular opinions, uh, then maybe you can talk about Company being the most iconic song. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> no, I do. I mean, you're right. It is the title song, so I think it's 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 not impossible to think of that song first. But I think it's interesting to have a character sing an "I Want" song at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I never think of being alive as the ending number, like when I was th- looking back on it, and then I was like surprised when it was the last song. Yeah, it's the finale. Nina, Nina, how about you? Um, I just said another hundred people because obviously, I did it justice. I did not do it justice. <laughs> it was absolutely awful. Spoiler alert! But I absolutely love that song so much. For me, it's like, I don't know. It's just. It's so iconic and it's so beautiful and I feel like it has the quickness of uh, not getting married today. Obviously not as fast, but it has so many other like musical intricacies that come in um, besides just the quickness. Like the Mm. the arrangement is just absolutely beautiful and it's so hard to sing and don't give it to a 16 year old to sing. Um, (laughs) Just saying. Um, Lessons learned. (laughs) And I also said being alive, but specifically by Rosalie Craig because that slayed Mm. me so hard like loved she's it. very talented yep those are mine i have some of the same Harrington. i have some of the same ones getting married today definitely especially since i watched that master class 
of Sondheim teaching uh, those. I think they're college students. Mm. I love watching Sondheim teach. I just love it. I think I talked about that already. Um, his specificity and his like attention to detail are so wild. He's like, can you bring a little color to the word dead? And I'm thinking like, no, that's fucking high. How? Because like he wants her to emphasize the word dead, and it's like, dead. I don't know. Anyways, drink. I just. But that's it. the joke. Like that's what makes that line a laugh line. Yeah. The heart sinks down and feels, and then back up. Yeah. That's great. Because you would normally say like, the heart lifts up or floats up on your wedding day. So that yeah. sinks down. It's funny. Ah, oh, genius. Um, my second one is the title number company, because it's a. You hear Bobby a thousand times in the show, and this is where it originates. And then my third one is so beautifully musical theatery lame, side by side. I just love it so much. It's just like a really good start to act two. We're not. Are, we, are you talking about the the whole number, or are you talking about side by side? The whole number. Because technically, the song is side by side. What would we do without you? Technically. Your butthole. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, know I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about what would we do without you on my alt podcast. I think I'm wearing my tank top inside out. Are you? I don't know. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now to my favorite category. It is time to bestow the Edwina Spoonapple Acting Award on one cast member in company. It unfortunately cannot be me as male ensemble member <laughs> at the ripe age of 15. Um, I think I played the waiter at the bar. You did. I remember that. That Joanne sings her song at. And I also had to carry hats. We'll talk about that later. It, the the podcast has got to build to um, that amazing moment. Great. But, um, yeah, who would you nominate if you had to pick someone to give an acting award to in company? Uh, spanning any production. I have three nominees. Um, first one is Anika Nani Rose, who Ugh. plays Marta. I... She's, first of all, visually gorgeous. Oh, my God, she's beautiful. And second of all, her voice. Yeah. She's just, she plays it very spunky. And I love, I just think Marta is so spunky. That's all I have to say about that. Amazing. Um, I don't want to give her another nomination because she's already had enough. But Patty Lapone really <laughs> just is Joanne. Drink. I really like the way that she plays it differently. She doesn't scream as much as the other Joannes, but she still has as much tension. And then my last one is Elaine Stritch. I mean, how could it not be? She just, like, gives her entire soul to the ladies who watch. I've never, I've never seen someone, I obviously haven't seen her live, but in terms of watching videos of her performing, I've never seen someone who gives so much of themselves to a stage and to an audience. And she's so proud of her craft. Like, Sondheim's like, let's take Ugh. it down a half step. And she's like, I can do it. And then she has a meltdown, but she's, yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. It's not even a diva meltdown, though. She just wants to be good. She's amazing. All right, Nina, who are yours? Um, I said Patty Lapone. I'm so sorry. Take a drink. Um, Woo! I, and it only took me watching one video of her singing Ladies Who Lunch to nominate her for this award. Um, 
And it also only took me one video of uh, Rosalie Craig singing Being Alive to nominate her as well. Yeah. I just, Good. yeah. I I watched so much of the revival, and honestly, like, nobody super stuck out to me. Um, and then when I watched these other um, productions, yeah. Patty and Rosalie did. Sam? Me? I have three. So... My first is Elaine as Joanne. I just think in terms of like coming out the gate with an originated character and watching that final take of her from the next day at in the documentary mm-hmm. when she comes back the next day and just like one take absolutely nails it. There is no I mean there's really no there's really no question. It's a Fritz Bernays. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> there might be a question. Um I might have a question. <laughs> Secondly, I have Elizabeth Stanley as April. I love you, love to, her. To talk about a show that, to talk about a role that is like so iconically sort of a dumb blonde. I obviously didn't see Jane Krakowski do it, and I do think Jane Krakowski is a wonderful actress, but she does the, she does the dumb blonde thing kind of, kind of perfectly, but it's also still very two dimensional. And Elizabeth just created this like fully realized complex human being who also fit the trope. She's the one from you know the 2006 I mean? revival. Yeah, 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 yeah. She also is in. Um, she was in Crybaby. She was in. She's in. Um, Jagged Little Pill. She's the lead in Jagged Little Pill. She's so deadpan. Like right, but it's so like she's just a real like. Have you ever like been in Boston, for example, and you see someone on the street and you're like, how does that person live in a city? Yes. Like 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 look at that person and they're such like an introvert. Like how does that person or you meet someone and you're like, how do you live in a big city? It's that way in New York sometimes hmm. where you see those see people who are like bewildered by New York City and you're like, how long have you lived here? And they're like, seven years. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, how have you lived here for that long and you haven't like died yet? Hmm. And that's what I think about April. Finally, I have Alice Ripley as okay. Amy. I haven't watched there's a video. video. There's a video from the Kennedy Center. The Kennedy Center did a production, I think, in early 2000s. It might have been like 2000 or 2001. Yeah. And Alice Ripley played Amy and she, A, gets this, like, I think people forget that she's so funny, that she is, like, really has, like, a very serious funny bone. There's a lot of, like, laugh lines in Next to Normal, which is obviously such a dramatic show, but there really are a lot of great comedic moments for Diana. And she gets this visual sight gag right off the bat. She appears, like, behind a kitchen island. She's, like, behind a kitchen, like, washing a plate. And so she's got her wedding dress on, and she's got these bright yellow rubber gloves. <laughs> so, like, that's the first that's the first sight gag. But then she comes from behind the kitchen counter, and you think, you're, like, her wedding dress, which looks like a big, beautiful gown, is actually, like, a mini bubble skirt. And the bubbles, the, the veil goes from her head and then tucks under the bubble skirt. So she's literally in, like, this, like, cook- oh, you have to watch the video. But her, her delivery of the lines, she, A, is, like, neurotic already as a person. So to have that layered into the character, she's just very funny as Amy. It's a very, it's a very funny take. And that's me. Those are my acting nominees. So I, my honorable mention is Rosalie Craig because I was not the biggest fan of her. I think Hmm. she's got a great voice, but I don't necessarily like it in this role, but I think that she deserves credit for originating the female Bobby. So I will give her an honorable mention, even though I don't necessarily agree with some of her interpretation. Did you get to see any videos of Katrina Link? I have not. She's got a really interesting... If you think 
did you say you thought like Rosalie Craig's voice was very interesting for the role? Yeah, I didn't like it. I don't think you would really like Katrina Lang's voice either. She okay. has a very, a very interesting sounding voice, and I don't necessarily know that you would be in love with it. For me, Rosalie Craig was just too bright for Bobby. It was just like, well, when you've got friends like mine. We also have to remember too that she's British, I know, so but like that she's she's English, so like that's what you. Said I mean, there are people who do. There are people who do amazing British, uh, amazing American dialect, um, but I think that's a factor of it too. Is that she's the, doing? It's the to- a the tonality of her voice. It's not the way she says words. I just. But I think when you do an accent, there's sometimes tonalities that come along with it. Maybe I think if you're growing, you're learning. I think if you're growing, you're changing. <laughs> Sorry, wrong quote. <laughs> I think you're Nina, do you have any honorable mentions? Anybody who stuck out but not quite enough? Um, I hadn't thought about that, but if I had to think right off the bat, um... You don't have to. We can cut it out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did we all hate Raul Esparza? I didn't Not like my him. fave. Okay, great. Not my favorite. Good. I, not I my favorite. despise him. Also didn't love Neil Patrick Harris, though. Also so. did Ooh. not love Neil Patrick. Yeah, not at all. I think... I go 50-50. Just, really? I don't know. I think, honestly, for me, like, a female Bobby, like, automatically wins my heart because... For sure. I think the male, when Bobby is played by a male, there's... I feel like so... I'm not interested in him. I'm not interested in his wants and his story and all of that because if you're a male bachelor, that's just kind of, like, accepted. It's like, whatevs. But if you're a female, single female, like... There's a whole other dimension to that. Like, if you're a single female that's 35 and, and you're not married yet, there's there's so many other dimensions to that that I just think are yeah. so much more worthy to put a female in that role. Wow. I love that perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, on to our last in this in this little segment. Who wins the show for you? Now, this can be anyone. I don't know if I detailed this in our descriptions to you, Nina, but this can be... It, our winners have ranged from audience members to composers to music to to lighting to to spectacle to whoever. What is like the the biggest takeaway for you? Like who when you walk away from company, who are you like? Wow, that was the best part. Sondheim, that's it. Me too. I also said Sondheim. Woo! <laughs> I think a- that's the first unanimous three way. Yeah. We really did it. We've yeah, never I just all agreed. I I super don't love the book. Um, the music is literally what I always remember from it. Um, the characters are, are so interesting in themselves, but like, I don't know the, the combination of characters in the book don't like, it doesn't, it's not strong enough for me to love the book or the characters more than the music. So that's mm. why Sondheim wins it for me. I love that. Amazing. We did it. I don't love that, but I can understand where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we get into the down and dirty of the 2008 Acting Loft production of Company? I don't know yeah. if my body's ready. <laughs> now, I, to be honest with you, don't really remember too much, so I'm relying on you two to kind of hold it together for me. I'll say, I'll say my piece my first because I know that Nina has a lot to say. Okay, go. All I'm going to say is that back in the day, Nina was a soprano one. <laughs> that is now that is not the case. The only thing I all I remember is you, me, and what was her name? Katie. Katie. Mm-hmm. You, me, and Katie fighting over who got to sing the soprano one line. I and I got it. You were the soprano one, I believe. I was the middle, and she was the bottom. Wow. 
That's, yeah, and fast forward to acapella Plymouth State when I'm literally the, the one alto. of the lowest. Yeah, yeah, bass, really. Um, Gave Nina the microphone at the ICCA so that we could really literally. hear those bass notes. <laughs> literally. <laughs> that's, that's my thing, but I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Um, yeah, it was very trippy to re- revisit my memories on this because things popped up that I, like, totally forgot about. Um, first of which being, yeah, I played Marta at, um, 16 years old. Uh, 15. 15, sorry, I keep forgetting that. I keep wanting to give myself an extra year just to make it sound a little better. Age um, of consent in New Hampshire. Yeah, I, it was unacceptable. It was unacceptable to give me that role. But here's the thing. I don't think enough people auditioned for this famed uh, production. They didn't. So that's why Amanda and I played the girlfriends alongside uh, one of the girlfriends who was appropriately aged. So that was even worse. Like, if we were all young, that might have been, like, funny or something. But, like, it wasn't funny because they were just... I was in my voice lesson when the... Because the music director, Megan, was my voice teacher. And she's mm-hmm. like, do you want to be in the show? Do you want to be Kathy? And I was like, okay. Okay. Um, I did love that I got Marta. I was wicked pumped about that. Um, but I'm just, lo- like, looking back, like, in the beginning when they're doing the voicemails and Marta's like, hey, Bobby, guess what? I'm not pregnant. I just remember my parents being in the audience and I was like, oh, my God, I'm fucking mortified. Right now. <laughs> oh, I forgot <laughs> about that part. And yeah. your parents being like. My parents did not love that. And also, like, so many things happened happened in the show that I did not understand as a 16-year-old. Like, I was a pretty innocent 16-year-old, as 16-year-olds go, um, so didn't know what on the wagon meant. Um, mm. And I also didn't understand, really, when they're getting high in that scene. I was just like, what are they doing? That's They're just acting funny. I don't know. You were so <laughs> like, lame in high school. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, not not very cool. Um, also, I really love um, your line, Amanda, when you were Kathy, and you're like, "What I am is like this park here, out of place," and it makes and the it, whole audience is like, "Yeah, because she's 15." Yo, because she's literally 15. <laughs> I very vividly remember holding his hand. Oof. We didn't have to do any. I think I had to kiss him on the cheek as well. In you could drive a person crazy, but I, but I'm, that wasn't a big deal. It was holding his hand. He like grabbed my hand and we swung it. And I remember looking and saying, "Bobby," it was just, it was just so cringy. I don't he, think I had yeah. to even do anything like that. Really, when I talked to him today, he's like, "I'm sorry if I was creepy." I'm like, "You were not creepy." The director who cast me in that role was truly, creepy. yeah, yep. Also, when Marta's like, "Sometimes your ass is like this." <laughs> uh, no freaking idea. And everyone's laughing at me. The whole audience is laughing because it's a funny line. But right. No freaking idea what I was talking about. It also Incredible. just like wasn't a great production. Those pictures you sent us didn't look. They, did, they didn't look good. Well, first of all, the pictures were blurry because <laughs> Nino I see photography in 2008 <laughs> did not know what she was doing. She had it on automatic setting, and that was it. <laughs> um, but Pretty also like for real. But I also just, like, really remember, you know, when you're, like, cast in a production and there's lots of people that are older than you and you, like, look up to them so mm-hmm. much. I remember feeling that way, like, the whole time. Like, oh, man. It is a, such a random cast of people in Misfits. this show. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, it was pretty funny. I was allowed to go to that cast party. You were. You were? I don't know why. They were definitely drinking. Oh, Where yeah. There's there's pictures from the cast party, yeah. and we all have red Solo cups. Like There are? Sure. Yep. You weren't there, Sam. I probably wasn't allowed to go. Um, yeah, so basically I just remember being honored to be given that role and uh, just, like, looking up to everyone in the cast, like, all the time. It was really cool to be young and be in an adult main stage show. It was just... Just didn't make sense. It just didn't make sense. Wait, what did you text <laughs> us that you were listening to the cast album and you remembered how bad we sounded? Oh, yeah, we were flat on everything, especially the opening number, the Bobbies. Yeah. So flat. And I remember everyone being like, which Bobby is this? Like, nobody <laughs> was confident <laughs> in, in knowing that score. That's was- my favorite trope of, like, amateur theater is, like, did either of you, have you, either of you watch, like, Encore? I haven't on watched it yet. Okay, first of all, both of you need to because it's very on brand for, like, what our, it's, like, our lives. Okay. But my favorite thing that happens in every episode is the people, like, the high school students that, like, are now grown up, they get off stage and they go, where are we? Like, what are we doing? Like, and that's, like, such a, like, amateur theater thing that I, like, forget about. But, like, I could just picture everyone backstage at company in that tiny little stage that we had. Yeah. That was like a cement block and everyone is getting up being like, where are we? What's next? A tiny stage in a basement. That that is now owned by the Palace Theater. That flooded. Didn't know that. Wow. Update. But yeah, that frequently flooded and had sewage come up from the uh, floor during performances. Also, how much fucking free labor did we put into that building? (sighs) So much. But at the time, everything we did felt so important, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That was our life. Bobby. And then I went to Drink. high school and I was like. Drink. Oh, God. So you because you're singing to yourself. So, yeah. That's not our fault. Well, I forced you to drink. Sam, do you have any memories? You know, I really don't. Um, I did mention this to Amanda via text, but like I was a very insecure, like effeminate young gay person who really didn't have any like queer role models to look up to. And I remember feeling very insecure around other gay people um, and, like, really wanting approval from, like, the guy who played Bobby, which was, like, very strange that I wanted it so badly. And, like, there were other gay men in the cast, and I just remember, like, n- like always feeling out of place because, like, I wasn't as, like, I was out, but I wasn't, like, I don't know. I, I just remember always feeling very, uh, very intimidated by other gay men. Hmm. And regardless of the fact that they were, like, decades older than me <laughs> i remember just feeling very insecure about myself um good memory. i also was in about i also was in about two minutes of the show uh i think i was in the opening number i was in getting married today i might have sang getting married today from off stage actually nice and then i was not in side by side or what would we do without you hmm. are they two different songs I, yeah well they're not when you have he does open to- the church, go to the steeple, doesn't the married people. That's when what we do without you starts. Okay, well, when you listen to it on Apple Music, they're just called side by side. How much do you guys have left in your beverage? Like a mere sip, like not even. Please don't say the B word. I will be mad at you. Let's talk about Barcelona. Finish your drinks. Any final thoughts? You know. I think Company is a really strong show. 
I wonder what would happen now if somebody tried to write a musical around this topic and it was more of a song cycle. I think, like, Company is... Company, like, wants to be, like, a concept album-y, mm-hmm. sung-through song cycle mm-hmm. about, like, one person's exploration of marriage mm. and what it means to be in a committed relationship. I love those scenes, though. I love the scenes with the three of them. I know. The scenes are the scenes are good, but I, I don't know. It's just hard to... The dialogue could be spruced from time to time. As it is. And maybe it's just because maybe it's just because it was so like, um, period in the time. I don't know. Like the show is so dated now. In it's the dialogue, it's so dated. I totally agree. Like I was just listening to this, being like, the concept of marriage and love and relationships is just so much bigger than man, woman, and marriage. Like, yeah. and I think now we obviously understand that, or a lot of people acknowledge that. But I would think that if they were to reapproach it today, like. There's so many themes they could bring in, like gay, bisexual, polyamory, like ever there's so many things they could explore that it would it would not be right if they didn't explore. So they do technically explore the theme. I mean, they explore themes of homosexuality in the in the 2020 Broadway production as well as the 2018. And I don't know what they I don't know if they did this on the West End. I assume that they did, but at the end of the show, instead of Joanne coming on to Bobby in a lesbian relationship manner kind of thing, Joanne actually offers Larry to Bobby. Oh. Joanne says, like, I go to work, he's at home. Oh, wow. Like, he goes to the gym, he comes home. You can go to the house and have sex with my husband, basically, is, like, what she says. Oh, that's kind of cool that they And Bobby's kind of like, well, that's kind of fucked. Yeah. And that's how that, you know, that's how that conversation goes. That's interesting. I like that they changed that up. When I rewatched it a couple years ago, I remember putting on Twitter, like, let's talk about this. Is Bobby gay? Because... Oh, like in the way it's originally written? Yeah. Like, is that why he's having such a difficult time finding a woman? Um, And I got I a lot of... Think... I got, like, a literal 50-50 response. I don't think that he's gay, and especially in the original productions. I think maybe there's some like homosexual undertones because Sondheim, yeah, is gay. Um, so I think maybe that like that that part of Sondheim that feels like because he's Sondheim's now in a relationship with like a forty year old man, even though he's like ninety years old. He's forty. Um, his husband. Yeah. Is, is either 40 or 50. They have a huge age gap. Get wow. it. Either like 40 or 50 years. Um, I believe he's 40. We'll split the difference and say 45. He's literally half his age. Um, but so clearly, I mean, clearly it took like his journey to finding love was, was complex. So I wonder if maybe those are like the homosexual undertones that you're feeling are just related yeah. to but, the fact that that's just like part of Sondheim's writing. But Sondheim did not create the character. I would argue that he did. He didn't. He says in an interview about Company, George Firth created these characters. Right. But when you write a song that has as much leeway over a character's process as, like, Being Alive does or Marry Me a Little or Someone is Waiting, Mm -hmm. I think it's inevitable that those songs begin to weigh... On. You know what I yes, mean? Like I Sondheim do. writing being alive. I, I, I think in terms of inception, like sure. Like in terms of George Firth saying like, here's Bobby. Yeah. 
But I think when Sondheim then says, okay, and what if he sings a song called Being Alive? I, I think that's the, like, I think that's the crossover of, like, okay, well, Being Alive, do you get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Sondheim also didn't come out until he was 40. So. What a life. Any final thoughts on the two of you? I talked a lot. What else is new? I just, I just like, I like to echo your final thoughts. I think that it's a beautiful musical. Um, I'd love to see it reapproached. Um, I think, again, that's why I think I like the revival so much. Like, it really did rely on the music, and it put the music in the actor's hands, which mm. was a wonderful... I just love... I love shit like that. You guys know that. So those are my final thoughts. If you guys were going to audition for Company today, what role would you audition for? Any, any style. No genders matter. Hmm. I would love to play Jamie, and I would want... Jamie and Paul to be like Cam and Mitchell from Modern Family. Modern Family, and I would want to play Cam. I yeah. like that. Um, as Jamie, like sort of just like a, a neurotic husband. I also think I would make a very good Harry when I get much older. Mm-hmm. Um, doing the karate scene, you know, in the opening. Um, Great! I want to play Sarah. Yeah. Here we go. Perfect. How great would we be? Can't wait. Nina, you can reprise your role as Marta. <laughs> Honestly, that that was my answer to that question. Yeah? Now that I'm appropriately aged, <laughs> I think that I could play her. Um, got to get back into voice lessons a little bit to get to that song, you know, that she has. But You can I still think, sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a very hard song. Haven't sang in a while. I, I mean, I think uh, just personality-wise, I think I connect mostly with her more than anyone else. Hmm. Um, or Kathy, because I can't live in New York City. <laughs> I want to play Bobby more than anything. But I also would want to play Sarah, and then I would love to in, like, 30... Am I getting bit by bugs? In 30, 40 years, I would love to play Joanne. Mm. Love it. I, I feel like you'd be an amazing Sarah. I would love to play Sarah. I'm an FBI agent. Like, that whole karate chopping... <laughs> I got it. What? You don't know my FBI life? Okay, we'll talk about it later. Um, I want to be the first to say, Nina, I am so, so excited and so grateful that you were able to come on and do this. You are truly, um, Lillian, you're my best friend. Uh, Nina, <laughs> you are one of my best friends, and I'm so excited that you got to talk to Amanda and I. Um, like you said, we're like the, the weird three musketeers. We were close, we've been close friends for so long, the three of us, and to get to do this with you is really special. So thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thank you for making me research this show and revitalize my musical theater brain. It was Ooh. awesome. Keep shining. Keep smiling. No <laughs> I don't know the words. Can always count on. That's what always friends are for. <laughs> this is the perfect way to wrap this up. I, so. I will say, the last thing I'll say, this has nothing to do with company, but uh, I, it, during our senior year of high school, Nina and I saw Bridesmaids probably four times in the movie theaters. Yeah, at, at a minimum. Also, was, uh, our audience should formative. know that there are two Sam St. Jean prom dates on this podcast right now. <gasps> You're right. That's you are, right. in fact, correct. Amanda was the date to my junior prom, and Nina was my date to my senior prom. That is And I was right. Nina's date to her senior prom. And which was not fun, but your date. prom was way more fun. Gotham no. proms rocked. I thought they were a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, my prom was not fun at all, and your prom was at so Central At Central High School, what are you doing? At Central High School, the dance floor was so small, and I was elbowed multiple times, and it was not <laughs> fun. Was the prom at your high school? 
No, it was at the executive court facility, which no longer exists. <laughs> probably because the ghost of Central Prom is haunting it. Oh my God. <laughs> Nina, where can our listeners, uh, we, so we said this already in a quick commercial break, but where can our listeners find uh, uh, ways to book photography sessions with you? Oh, yes. Um, so I'm at uh, NinaWeinsteinPhotography.com, at NinaWeinsteinPhotography on Instagram, and uh, Facebook.com slash Nina Weinstein Photo. And I'd love to photograph You guys, book Please Nina. Please book an event with her. Book Nina. There is no better hype woman that you need in your life. She will take a photo of you and then be like, ugh, ugh, gorgeous. Like, she's just, she is the hype woman. Will you Accurate. take I just photos want to make of my wedding, good, you know? even though I'm not engaged or dating anyone? Yeah. I'll, I will take photos of anyone for any occasion within reason, so yes. Within reason? <laughs> yeah. I my mean, cat, my cat is graduating from cat school. Um, that I will do. <laughs> that is reasonable. All right, let's call it an evening or a morning whenever you're listening to this. An evening. Great. Thank you guys so much for listening. Catch us next week on our final episode of the season. I cannot believe that. That is so nuts. Our final episode. Wow, wow, wow. Of our first season of Buzz Broadway. Say goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. If you like what you heard on today's episode, be sure to leave us a rating and review. Want to support Buzzed Broadway? Head to anchor.fm to learn more. If you need more Buzz Broadway shenanigans in your life, follow us on Instagram at at Buzz Broadway Podcast. Buzz Broadway is conceived and hosted by Amanda Harrington and Sam St. Jean. Editing by Amanda Harrington. Original music by Carl Pariso with musical arrangements by Patrick Doro. As always, thank you to our sponsors, to Anchor, and to you, our listeners. See you next time. My panties are on the ground. I'm not. <laughs> gonna leave that in there please leave that in there (laughs) amanda's panties are on the floor for alex (laughs) germanotti hey it's leslie udom jr here on the broadway podcast network to tell you about the rise theater directory a program of maestro music rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds if you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.